Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Welcome back, everybody, to Faked. We will be talking about a food item that is very heavily faked in the industry today, and it is the lobster. We're going to be talking about what people try to pass off as lobster and kind of some of the things to look out for just so you can just immediately tell that it is not real lobster. It is a facsimile thereof. So, like we like to do um, on Faked, we we like to go through the history. What gives it its value? You know, um, if you're new to the show, we always talk about the value and what what makes it um, kind of a target to be faked by scammers and all of these you know individuals out there that just want to deceive and sell things that um, aren't the real genuine thing, leaving the consumer or you know. Basically, the the person who the thing crime is being perpetrated onto, they're left with something inferior and um, their head between their knees, kind of thing. So, let's talk about the history of lobster. So, when the first European settlers reached North America, we're going to start there. Lobsters were so plentiful that they reportedly would wash ashore in piles up to two feet high. So their bounty made them a precious source of sustenance during hard times and it gave them kind of a a nasty reputation as a poor man's protein. So kind of crazy how this delicacy of ours that we know is extremely expensive um, at market value was once something that you wouldn't really want to eat. Honestly, you would definitely just you know, use it for that, uh, oh shoot, I guess we've got some lobster we need to use up. You know, it's like water added ham, you know, like people have that in their fridge. Oh, what are we going to throw this in? Oh, we'll make some soup and throw it in there. So moving on, Native Americans used lobsters to ver- fertilize their crops and bait their fishing hooks. They also ate the abundant crustaceans, um, preparing them by covering them in seaweed and baking them over hot rocks, which sounds delicious. According to the tradition, this cooking method method inspired the classic New England clam bake. So that's kind of a cool thing that came out of there because if you've been to New England, that is a staple. Oh, yeah. it's And this is probably a shout-out to Maine and a shout-out to a Boston area because we were in Boston, and boy, 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 do they love their lobster. Yeah, lobsters are definitely um, a marketable item there. So I'm sure they appreciate this episode. Uh, so shout out to you. And uh, yeah, let's continue on the history. So at first, lobsters were gathered by hand along the shoreline in the late 1700s. Special boats known as smacks, which featured tanks with holes that allowed seawater to circulate, were introduced in Maine for the transport of live lobsters. So you're kind of in a boat and there's all these lobsters chilling on the bottom however there's like holes in the boat which doesn't make me feel good i I think if i went to a boat that had holes into it i'd probably have some worries i would say but um this allowed the live lobster transport so the workers who operated these shellfish friendly vessels were known as smackmen 
Um, also an interesting moniker there, the smack men, because smack definitely is a drug now. So it's probably, uh, doesn't mean the same thing today. So it was not until the mid 19th century that lobster trapping also first practiced in Maine became a more popular way to collect the sea creatures, which if you're a Seinfeld, um, fan, you've probably seen the episode where Kramer, you know, takes the trap and gets all those lobsters and people ask, and then, um, I guess the host's dad was a trapper and kind of gives you a little insight as to what, uh, how much reverence people have for the trappers out there. So dirt cheap because they were so copious. Um, lobsters were routine, routinely fed to prisoners, apprentices, slaves, and children during the colonial era and beyond. In Massachusetts, some servants allegedly sought to avoid lobster heavy diets by including stipulations in their contract that they would only be served the shellfish. And it was like a twice a week. Oh boy, what a what a time that would be. You had to actually lower the amount of delicious lobster throughout the week. And I'm sure it has to do with the preparation because I remember reading about this beforehand and I'm like, you know what? They probably didn't have lemon butter. I'm going to be honest. I think lemon butter was, uh, you know, the invention that made this all because if you've ever had lobster with a, a nice lemon butter and some herbs, oh boy, is it good. I would, uh, write in my contract that I could have it any day, any time of it. So kind of an interesting history on it. So the first lobster pound was established in Vinyl Haven, Maine in 1876. The town is still home to a thriving lobster fishery. Okay, so moving on, lobster began to shed some of its negative reputation and gain a following along discriminating diners, particularly in Boston and New York City during the 1880s. And then prices immediately began to rise after that. So because lobster was considered a delicacy by the time World War II began, it was not rationed. The booming wartime economy allowed wealthy cravers of crustaceans to consume them at unprecedented rates because um, rationing basically fell to meat um, of a widely consumed variety. So like chicken, you had pork, all that stuff was rationed out just because at the time, you know, people weren't making things. They were making guns. They were making all this stuff. So agriculture wasn't as big. So they had to ration stuff out. And it looks like people who enjoyed or could enjoy um, with money, uh, they got to just have lobster on lobster. So American lobsters or Maine lobsters, as they are commonly known, can weigh more than 40 pounds and grow up to three feet long. Boy, where can I get one of those? So the lobster, the largest one, was recorded off of Nova Scotia in 1988. It weighed 44 pounds and was 42 inches long. Oh, wow. Scientists believe it was at least 100 years old, twice the lifespan of an average lobster. So I wonder if, and it doesn't say anything about this, but like a 100-year-old lobster, you know how like people want 100-year-old wine, they want I don't know if wine falls into that character category, but like scotch, all that kind of stuff, it's really de desirable. I wonder what the flavor of a hundred-year-old lobster would be. I, I'm assuming gross, uh, just because it's like aged, it's been through probably hell and back, you know, surviving that long. That's crazy. 
So the lobster, which has uh, changed little over the last 100 million years, is known for its unusual anatomy. Jeez. Um, Its brain is located in its throat, its nervous system in its abdomen, its teeth in its stomach, and its kidney in its head. Um, It also hears using uh, its legs and tastes with its feet. So... This guy is all sorts of messed up. One of the few things lobsters have in common with humans is they tend to favor one front limb, meaning they can be right-clawed or left-clawed. And when crowded into tight quarters, such as a store display tank, lobsters tend to become cannibalistic. So sellers tightly ban their claws to prevent them from feasting on their neighbors. That's an interesting thing because I always wondered who that was saving, you know, like when they put those on the red lobster cages, which are tanks. I don't think they even have those anymore. I haven't been to a lot red lobster in forever, but I don't, I think like PETA probably got a hold of them. However, that seems pretty crazy. The fact that they become cannibalistic and eat each other. That's nuts. I, that makes that whole thing crazier that they're, they're literally a rubber band away from eating one another. That's nuts. So, um, though considered a rich and dedica- uh, decadent food, lobster meat um, contains fewer calories than an equal protein of skinless chicken breast. So it also boasts healthy omega-3 fatty acids, potassium, and the vitamin E, B12, and B6. So there's the health properties and there's the delicacy properties. And that's what we get into next about like fake. Why do people fake it and how do we tell if it is fake or not? Because um, as we just learned Primarily, lobsters are coming from the main area, and that's going to be the moniker that becomes attached to what makes something real or not is the main lobster um, kind of additive to the name. So I want to go over this great Inside Edition expose on some restaurants, and it kind of brings up a lot of these things we're going to be talking about and how a lot of restaurants try to get away with just calling something lobster, even though it needs to have this this uh, word in front of it, which then if you are privy to what that means, which we'll learn here, then you'll be able to determine whether it's worth the price point for one, because if something and the word is langostura is langostura, that means it's going to be a lot cheaper for the restaurant to buy and it better not be the same price as a real lobster so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about is it's it's more because it's real lobster i guess it's just not main lobster not rock lobster it is a different kind of lobster that is actually a crab so inside edition recently um they released a point, a report uh, accusing several restaurants across the country using cheap seafood substitutes uh, in so-called lobster dishes. So dishes from 28 restaurants were sent to DNA uh, labs and uh, 35% of samples indicated cheap fish substitutes like whiting and haddock. So I guess one of the tests were uh, done on lobster salad roll at Nathan's in Coney Island, Brooklyn, and it indicated that the meat was whiting which is an inexpensive fish. A group that spoke on the behalf of the restaurant told Inside Edition that the recipe in a seafood mix that includes lobster and whiting. Um, So I guess they had some explanation for it, but they did not 
distinguished that on the menu, and that's kind of where the issue lies. So another test of a lobster, a lobster ravioli from a restaurant in New York, um, their little Italy, found only cheese with no lobster present. So they have a lobster ravioli, but there's no lobster in it, and the manager did not want to comment um, on it, obviously. You know, they're they would just run the whole, well, I, uh, we, we must have gotten a bad match there or made a different thing. No. Um, you know they're trying to get get um, as much out of people in Little Italy, if you're familiar with it, as possible. So when the lobster bisque from Red Lobster was analyzed, you know, we expect the best from Lo- Red Lobster since it's in their name. Okay. Inside Edition reports that two out of the three cups of the chain's lobster bisque contained a mixture of lobster and langostino, and one contained only langostino. So the Inside Edition's expose online reads, one sample includes only langostino, a less expensive seafood more closely related to the hermit crab than lobster. So langostino is a type of lobster, um, confirmed Bob Bayer. Uh, which is the executive director of the Lobster Institute, which I didn't know existed. I feel like with Faked, we're learning about all these institutes, and you kind of have to think, you're like, man, where is this money coming from in order to support the Lobster Institute um, and professor at the University of Maine? So maybe maybe it's like a small little substrate of the University of Maine since Lobster is. Maybe that would that would make sense. So it's part of the University of Maine. It's not like a independent institute outside of the academia um, realm. So the chain disputed the uh, accusation that the soup did not contain lobster, calling it luck of the ladle, which seems kind of, that's probably true. Honestly, two out of only one, I guess one out of three ladles having that in it. Seems like a luck of the ladle thing. So a Red Lobster spokesperson told Today.com that we are not happy with how the story was covered. It was misleading. We questioned the validity of Insider Edition's test where they found one cup of bisque that only contained uh, langostino lobster. So still in light of the Inside Edition story, the chain plans to revise the menu to state that the bisque contains both Maine and langostino lobster. So that is, that's nice. That seems fair, I would say. And I guess Red Lobster has maintained their transparency around using different types of uh, crustacean, including North American, Maine, Langostino, and Brock Lobsters, and its menus are relatively clear on uh, most cases. So a current Lobster Fest special is clearly called out as Langostino Lobster Topped Tilapia with mushroom cream sauce. So I totally get why people would use it because obviously it becomes more widely affordable for people because lobster i feel like in its pure form should not be minced down and put in something um kind of like using a cheaper beef in like a breakfast burrito because it's mixed with so many different things that you almost hate to mix it with things it's like a good whiskey and mixing it with simple syrup like a bunch of it it's like you're wasting it so i kind of get it in that realm but it is good to know the difference and to know if you're being played or not that's kind of the idea so how do we tell if you're eating real lobster you know we've talked about pricing's big um but choosing the dishes where the lobster is just simply prepared okay so just think of it the way like if you get a dry aged grass-fed ribeye steak you're probably not going to grind it up and make it into a sloppy joe. So the same thing goes with top-of-the-line lobster. 
So the amazing sweetness that sets a Maine lobster apart from some of its shellfish brethren is subtle and should be eaten with sauces and dressings that complement the meat, not overpower it. And that comes from Matt Grimm, Jin, sorry, Chef Matt Jin of Evo Kitchen in Portland, Maine. Um, so just look for the simple dishes that let the product shine. You don't want it being muddled and messed around with. So claws are a good sign as well. So if you see a large red intact claw at least two to three inches in length, then chances are pretty good that you've got a real lobster that's either from Maine or Europe. But there are a dozen of kind of lobsters and plenty of varieties that don't resemble each other. So langostino lobsters are small and look like shrimp, spiny or rock lobsters from North Carolina, Caribbean spiny lobsters, Australian rock lobsters, New Zealand rock lobsters do not have claws, but their tails are considered a delicacy. So it's kind of good to know what has what. So if they don't have claws and they're like, oh, we have prepared a beautiful Australian rock lobster with two claws, you could then say to them, well, they don't have claws. Okay. So... If the tail meat is served in very large chunks, that's also a good indicator that you're, you've, you're getting the real deal because then you're seeing like the formation of it, okay? For ravioli, seafood salads, and bisques, all bets are off. So just as there is mechanically separated chicken, there is minced lobster meat uh, made by spinning the lobster shells and extracting meat from parts like the legs, Bayer says. So um, depending on your point of view, that's not, uh, it's not all bad. It's just less waste. So you're not likely getting those succulent claws and tails in a lobster ravioli. You're getting that spun meat. Um, so kind of maybe avoid ordering menu items with lobster meat chopped very small unless you are at a very serious culinary destination. And again, that's a quote from that chef we were talking about from Portland. He knows his stuff. Um, but that's Portland, Maine. Sorry, not Portland, Oregon. <laughs> very different um, representation there. So look for the words Maine lobster on the menu. So the FDA requires that restaurants label what species of lobster they are using. So the word lobster still represents an entire range of options, but um, Maine lobster is the pinnacle of luxury for a good reason. Maine lobster tastes so good in large part because the state's water is so pristine. So Captain John Nicolai, um, a lobster expert, a, lo a lobster expert, which we need, um, lecturer and boat guide. So the coast is virtually industry free and it's also the uh, receptacle for polar currents that bring colder, more oxygenated, wa oxygenated water loaded with nutrients like krill and plankton. So it's got a lot of rocks where lobsters like to live. So it's basically free range lobster and Maine lobster is the best of the best there. And uh, look, like we talked about, so if it is, if it seems too cheap to be true, it probably is. So if you're in Maine and another location where lobsters are plentiful, real lobsters will be inexpensive in comparison to the rest of the world. Okay, so otherwise, choose your dining destinations wisely. Um, a lot of it comes down to dining at reputable establishments and chefs who cook with integrity and care. Um, and then we also... That basically is the best way, those five reasons right there, best way to determine between real and fake. Um, and then we have imitation lobster, which they have to state, state as well, which is just like Pollock. Um, you know, you'll see them in like almost, it's disgusting, but they're like fruit roll-ups, but lobster. You've seen them in the stores and um, they call it imitation lobster. And most of the time it has no lobster. It's just like 
a menage of fish, cheap fish that they end up putting together to make it seem a little lobstery. I personally enjoy them. I think they're great, but um, by no means do I believe they are lobster. Um, and then there's obviously the, the um, okay, so this is what I wanted to talk about too, was why does it matter? You know, why does it matter if it's kind of all fish and it's kind of crustaceans and it's lobster? Why does it matter? So there's some people deathly allergic to lobster and they can't have crustaceans, but um, if they masquerade some fish as lobster... Uh, and, you know, vice versa, if they, you know, do the opposite of that, they then run into the allergen issue and that becomes, you know, a, a whole nother mess of details there. And it's something you don't want to run into as a restaurant owner. And um, also, you know, the price gouging is another one where you don't, you don't want to pay for the real deal and not get the real deal. That's the big thing. That's why it matters. That's what we talk about here. That's why, you know, if somebody's putting Langostura out there and they're charging half the price of lobster, so be it. That's great. Then it becomes, you know, more widely accepted by people and um, it becomes attainable, which is awesome. That's great. Good on you. But you got to label it. And I believe the FDA requires that. Um, so guys, I hope we learned something here. Uh, lobsters definitely are something I knew I was going to do a episode on because the fish industry is crazy. It is nuts. Fishing industry because it's, you know, it's in the depths of the ocean. It's kind of in the dark, you know, I guess that's metaphorical as well. Um, but it was something I wanted to do and, um, yeah, guys, Stay tuned for our next episode, um, and also check us out on TikTok. I've been doing a lot of cool si- uh, side stuff there with some visuals, which is awesome. So uh, that is Faked Podcast on TikTok. And uh, remember, guys, with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.